0: Hello and welcome to Babies, Bumps, and Bullshit. I am your host, Janelle. I'm the owner of Reclaim Maternity Baby Kids in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. This is our inaugural episode. I'm going to tell you a little bit about who I am, who I was, and who I hope to be in the future, and hopefully just give you a little taste of what you can listen to on our podcast. Um, To start, I guess, Um, I'll go back to when I was younger. I grew up in Saskatoon. Um, I went to Marion Graham High School for any other Falcons out there. Um, I had a pretty pretty typical high school experience. I wasn't like a super cool kid. Um, I didn't really have a hard time in high school that I I was really lucky. Um, One thing that really made me into the person I am today is a program called Outdoor School in Saskatoon here. Um, Instead of... You know, attending typical class for a semester, you basically like live in the woods and in a canoe and climb rocks and other shit like that. And it just really pushes you to your absolute limits and shows you who you are. I Initially had no interest in doing it, and I thought, wow, that sounds dumb and awful. And they came around to our classroom to talk about what the program was, and I made the joke, where am I going to plug in my hair straightener? And then someone was like, you can never do that. You're too pussy. And I was like, I'll fucking show you. And then I loved it and it was the best best time ever. And I would not be who I am today without that program because it really taught me how to be confident and how to just get shit done and just push myself to my limits and learn what those limits are, which is also important. Um, I went to university here in Saskatoon, hated it, went to college in Toronto, loved it. Um, I lived in Toronto for a little while. I went to entertainment business college, um, worked with some bands out there and on some tours. And then I moved back to Saskatoon. Um, and I really loved the part of, um, working with musicians and working on live events. And I really liked that, the helping people factor. I liked, um, going from A to B. I liked figuring out what needed to be done, what was helpful and how to kind of find those compromises and get done what needed to be done. And I, that just wasn't like, there was a piece missing with it. There was like the heart piece missing, um, because at the end of the day, as we've learned with like, you know, the panorama and stuff, concerts aren't the most important thing in the world. Um, and live events aren't the most important thing in the world. It's the things that kind of stick with you to your core. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to go into social work. Social work sounds amazing. And the more I kind of talked to social workers, um, and interviewed at different colleges, it, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was. Um, and so I found youth care work so I went back to school again for youth care work, um, got a diploma in uh, in youth care work, and started working with a couple of agencies locally, working with kids who'd kind of exhausted all other avenues um, in the country because of mental health and substance um, substance abuse, and you know all kinds of neglect and environmental trauma. And that was really, really rewarding um, to be able to be that page in someone's story that you're helping them. Um, it definitely takes a toll on a person. I have found, I found this with anyone who's worked in mental health. You either leave mental health work before it ruins you, or you stay long enough to not know that it already happened. Um, and I think there's like that fine line of working in mental health that you either need to almost disconnect yourself or something because it's, it affects you. Um, and I don't take any of those experiences I had for granted and I wouldn't change them um but it definitely impacts a person it impacts your mental health um I was injured on the job um I ripped all the ligaments out of my thumb on my left hand and so I was off work for a while and then while I was off work um we had decided my partner and I had decided that there was a certain date that we would start trying Um, But before I go there I'll tell you a little bit about how I met my partner because I feel like it's a pretty, like, a pretty millennial May to meet your spouse. Um, I got out of, like, a really long-ass relationship. And the world of dating had changed. It wasn't like, oh, you're at a house party? Ooh, can you get me a red solo cup? Oh, my God, are we in love? Um, no, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard out there. Um, so I went on a dating app, dating website, dating app, whatever they're called. Um, and I went on, I like literally was a serial dater. Like I was interviewing these humans and none of them were great. They were all just like, meh. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to give up and I'm going to delete the app. And I logged in and there was a message from my now husband and I was like, Hey, like you're in my top three. I've been meaning to message you forever. I just thought I'd like give it a chance, see if you were into meeting up. And I was like, you know, I'm not super into it. Like I've had some shitty experiences, and he was like, "That's fair." Like I just felt like it was worth it to like reach out, and you know, like eight eight years later, eight years and two kids later, we're married and disgustingly in love and annoying everyone around us with our PDA. Um. So <laughs> so fast forward. Um, he we started trying. Um, I am a very like type a organized to a fault kind of human. Um, so I was tracking my ovulation and peeing on those little strips and like, we hadn't been trying at all before this. So I had no indication of whether like what my fertility would be like, like we had no idea. Um, so I was peeing on all these strips and I was like very clinical about it. And he was like, this is not like, (laughs) this is not like a job. Like we're just, you know you know, everyone knows how a baby is made. If you haven't, we'll, we'll direct you somewhere else. Um, so, (laughs) so we started trying, um, got pregnant right away. Uh, ended up having a miscarriage. It was a very like chemical pregnancy slash miscarriage, um, line. And it was kind of shit because it was like our first go and I was so excited. And then it wasn't really, it was just a blip. Um, so we tried again and got pregnant again Um, at the same time found out our best friends were also pregnant, which was really exciting. Um, because just so it's funny how the universe lines things up for you. Like Vanessa, who you'll meet down the road on one of our podcasts, um, who's our general manager at reclaim. Um, we had talked years before, like, wouldn't it be fun if we got pregnant at the same time? Because we live so close to each other and our husbands are good friends. They went to high school together and it just would be like, how perfect would that be? And then at our New Year's Eve party, they announced they were expecting. And then a couple weeks later, we found out that we were pregnant. Um, And so it was really neat and really comforting to be pregnant at the same time as someone you love. um, And to go through those, like, weird changes together and to be able to bounce things off of each other. um, That someone else who... You know, had been pregnant in the past would probably be able to relate to you in some aspect, but when you're right in the middle of it, it's like that is your current reality, and you need someone in that zone with you. Um, so that was really fun. Um, they had a very different pregnancy than we had. Everyone's pregnancy is different, um, and I'm sure at some point Vanessa would share her birth story with us because um, she has a unique perspective on it because um, she is an immunocompromised mama. So I think that would really be um, Helpful, but I digress. So, found out we were pregnant. Went to the doctor. Doctor was like, "Yep, confirmed. You are with child." Cool beans. So, I saw um, just our first um, like OB, like typical like um, women's health doctor, um, and she's like, "Yep, everything. Like all your HDG all your levels are good. Height, weight, blood pressure, all that stuff is normal. We'll send you for an ultrasound for your nine week." Um, I don't think they call it a viability ultrasound, but it's kind of what it's there for, to see if there's a heartbeat, to see if everything that is, all the ingredients are there and being kind of mixed up together. Um, One thing I was really worried about before I got pregnant, and like, I feel like this is an issue for everyone in their life at some point, whether it's um, one side of the sliding scale or the other, was my weight. And I feel like everyone obsesses over that. And I was, I've always been, I've never been a tiny human ever in my life. I'm almost six feet tall, which I think doesn't doesn't help that contribution at all. I've never been like, oh, I'm too short. Can you reach that? Like, that's never been my issue. I can always reach those cookies, Um, which maybe was my downfall. Um, But I was always nervous because weight and health has such a stigma attached to it. And I was always worried that I would go in and be like, oh, well, you can't have a baby. You're too fat. Or you shouldn't get pregnant. You're too fat. And that was always like in my head. I'm mean, like, oh my God, like someone's going to get like be so mad at me for this. And so i read like every blog out there. And I was like blogs on plus size pregnancy and taller pregnancy. And I'm also a little bit older. Like when I got pregnant, I was 30, which isn't old <laughs> by any means. I'm very young. I'm youthful. I can say things that the kids say. Um, I can't think of any of those words right now, but I can say them. Um, but learning, um, learning that if you're 30 plus, you're considered almost a geriatric pregnancy, which excuse the fucking you. Geriatric is like a cane and adult diapers. Okay. And I guess in a sense you do wear adult diapers because what I'm saying is that's not okay. We need a different word because it's essentially saying, okay, grandma, let's check your baby. Um, So I was older, I'm bigger, I'm taller, um... All of those kind of, not risk factors, but just different things that contribute to a different stage of pregnancy, If compared to if I'd been pregnant at, say, 22. I would have been a lot more youthful in my prime. Um, but so I was really nervous about that, especially talking to a healthcare professional, because there's so much stigma around weight and size, and you never know what your healthcare professional is going to say. Like, if you have, you just hear horror stories of people going and being like, I have A, B, and C symptoms, and they say, okay, well, if you lost 20 pounds your symptoms would go away. And so, you know, say the person loses 20 pounds and they go back. I still have those symptoms. Okay. Well, now that you're thin, let's address them. It's like, well, you know what? That's not how healthcare works. And I'm not saying, you know, this is a different topic for a much different day. Um, but there's health at every size. Um, that was one thing that I was really nervous about, um, But the first doctors I saw, they, um, you know, they give you a little sheet of like how much weight you should be gaining and kind of what you should be eating and all that kind of stuff. And that was really helpful to me. Um, and actually really reassuring that it pointed out kind of different weights and stuff like that and how much you should be gaining. And that kind of everything was, everything was good to go. Um, so that was reassuring. No one told me I was too fat to have a baby. So that was reassuring. (laughs) Um, so we waited and we were excited and like the first nine weeks, um, I think I was just tired. I wasn't really well the first four weeks I should say I was just tired and then I got to um like the fifth or sixth week and I started barfing my guts out and I was like this is great um and I was interviewing for another job and I interviewed for the job and I was going for the training and I was so sick and i was like i need something to get me through this like i i have training all day i'm not doing well and so i went to a walk in to see if i could get um diclectin is what i took for my nausea um and had i gone to my family doctor i think i would have had a different experience um but it was it was not a good experience at the walk in clinic when i went um i take Cetraline, which i think is a pretty common um SSRI for anxiety, depression. Um, these are for eating disorders, all kinds of things. Um, so I was taking that and I, um, was working with a mental health professional, um, to make sure that that was, you know, the right one for what the, the path that I was on and for wanting to breastfeed. And I went in and I told the doctor, you know, like, I'm really, really sick. I'd like to, you know, be able to swallow something. And the first thing that he said to me was, I think you should stop taking your antidepressants. And I thought, okay, I just told you that I'm, like, six weeks pregnant, violently throwing up. You've taken no history, and that's the first thing you suggest. And I was like, why do you think that? Well, it's just not good for pregnancy. Like, you have no idea my mental health journey. And that was just a huge red flag for me And that. I was like, I just need something to stop barfing. Um, So always advocate for yourself. And if you're talking to a mental health professional and they kind of offer something right away, make sure you ask questions and really, you know, your journey better than anyone else. Um, so always ask those questions because had I gone into that and just with blind trust and like, Oh, this walk-in doctor said I should stop taking my antidepressants. That could have had a really different outcome. Um, glad it didn't, but you know, just question, question the man, you know, just question him. Sometimes he'd be real dumb. So I got diclectin was taking that. I have never been so sick in my life. Like I could not keep anything down. I blew all the blood vessels in my eyeballs. It looked like I had the shit kicked out of me. Like it was awful. Like I would barf and pee my pants and barf and pee my pants. And it was just, oh, it was brutal. And then my husband was looking up symptoms and he was like, maybe we're having twins because the internet says that if you're having twins, you could be really sick. And I was like, Oh, wouldn't that be funny? And then we went to the ultrasound and we were having twins. (laughs) And the ultrasound tech, and I'm lucky that she was so sweet and so, like, young and funny. And she pulls over the screen, and she says, okay, there's baby A, and there's baby B. And I just yelled, fuck off. And she just bursts out laughing, and I'm so glad she did. And I was like, are you serious? I think all of the blood drained from Skylar's body. Like, I think he was just white. And we were like, okay. Like, big shock. Like, pregnancy is a big shock, and then twins is an even bigger shock. Um, so we kind of took the day to digest that. We went to Home Depot. We got some chicken nuggets. You know, we rallied our our brain cells around it. Um, and we told our family on my dad's birthday there is um, a really cute little moment – we'll insert it here – when we told my dad – um, on his birthday we wrote him a little poem so here that is there's a birthday poem it says 60 years is a blessing and a time for grins so congrats you're going to be a grandpa to twins isn't that sweet like he was so excited and like oh it's just adorable so and we're also the first ones to have um grandkids in my family so another first a first and a first and a first um very high-risk pregnancy proud we were pregnant in january twins in february and then march the world just shut down and exploded and it was so stressful um we had to go for scans at the children's hospital here um every couple of days because we were at risk for twin to twin transfusion which is um we had one of the more rare types of twins where they have their own um gestational sacs but they share a placenta so they're mono die um And with that type of twins, one twin can get greedier and kind of take more of the blood supply and the nutrition and from the other babe. So we had to keep going in to get checked. Um, I was very, very lucky in that sense because we were at the children's hospital. So I was allowed one support person with me at all times, whereas I think every other pregnant person wasn't. If, you know, Skylar got to be at every ultrasound he wanted to be, which wasn't every single one because when you're going there every other day, that's a lot of, that's a big time commitment. Um, But very lucky that I could always have my mom or my sister or a friend accompany me and be there for that. Um, so that was that was one silver lining of that because I know that a lot of people missed out on that journey of, you know, seeing their ultrasound and asking the questions they want to ask as the non birthing parent. Um, so once we hit kind of the twenty two week mark, if I remember correctly, we were kind of out of the woods as far as twin to twin one of our twins was smaller, but he always was, um, and they were tracking. Okay. So then we kind of moved forward we're still doing scans every couple days because they're monitoring the one twin. I had very high blood pressure, which I didn't have before pregnancy, which was really annoying because I literally had a blood pressure monitor with me at all times and blood pressure medication. And if it went over a certain limit, I had to immediately go to the hospital. And that was just a huge pain in the ass. Um, because who's to say that my high blood pressure wasn't from the, <laughs> from the pandemic and the stress of a pandemic? Like, who the fuck knows? Like, it's a stressful time. You can tell, you show me one person who didn't have high blood pressure in the Patricia and I'll show you a liar. Um, so that was just like an extra added stress of checking my blood pressure all the time. And like, if I walked up the stairs, my blood pressure would plummet because I walked up the stairs. Um, so just, just all the things. Um, and I think the, one of the scarier things for me was I had never been actually pregnant before and gone through even a first trimester of pregnancy. So I didn't know anything that was normal um, that was happening to my body. And I didn't know anyone else who had been pregnant with twins, let alone the type of twins that we had. So it was hard to compare it. Like Vanessa and I could talk and like some of her symptoms weren't my symptoms because she was carrying a singleton, a singleton, single baby, one baby. Um, And I was carrying two. So there were certain things that we – you know, we could sympathize with each other and we could vent to each other, but it wasn't super familiar. Like we couldn't be like, you know what? I'm also experiencing that. That's probably why. Um, so that was kind of like an added, you know, like one time I peed my pants and I thought my water broke. So I rushed to the hospital. I was like, Oh my God, my water broke. And the nurse was like, you peed your pants. And I was like, I've never been so happy to have peed my pants before. (laughs) I like it was the first time I peed my pants, but I digress. So um, little things like that, you don't, everything's falling out of you and leaking out of you and you don't know anything. Um, and they, when we were going through our scans for the twin-to-twin transfusion, they told us that every time that we went to the hospital, we should be, we should be prepared to have to fly out at that appointment. Because they would fly us on a medical plane to Toronto to have um a special surgery that would separate the placenta so each baby had a chance of viability. Luckily, we didn't have to, but that really helped prepare our mental state for, holy shit, this could happen at any time. So we need to just mentally prepare ourselves that shit could go down whenever. Um, we had a scan at 32 weeks and the doctor sat down with me and she was like, these babies are coming out tomorrow. Like they're coming out tomorrow morning. It was late in the afternoon already. Um she's like, I think I think tomorrow is the latest that we can push it. So um my husband was up north, so I called him. <laughs> I was like, Hey, like you need to drive your ass home right now. Um, uh, because you're gonna have babies tomorrow. And so we had ever we had everything packed up, um, ready to go. So we checked ourselves in um that night to the hospital. They got us all ready. Um, gave me a bunch of shots of like steroids and stuff like that. And I'd been having shots of steroids pretty much the entire time in my ass. And if you ever had one of those, you know that they need to stab you really hard in the ass. And that's not fun. Um, so we got like as much rest as we could. And then the next morning, um, went in for our C-section. And that was probably the scariest part was the C-section. I was so nervous that like my... Um, my spinal block wouldn't work because I'd had issues with a spinal tap in in the past. And, um, one thing that they didn't tell us, and I think it was because it was just such a rush, um, of everything happening, but they have like a clear drape. If you're having a C-section that they'll drop down. So if you want to see your baby, you can, when they pull it out. of course we wanted to so they pulled out baby a, which was our smaller baby. And we saw him and he was like the size of a beanie baby. And he was just tiny, but he was all like crazy and wily. Um, but then they put the drape back up and we didn't hear him cry. We didn't really hear anything. And we're like, okay, like maybe he's in a little baby warmer, you know, they're getting him all kind of, you know, situated. We didn't hear anything. We didn't hear anything. We were just sitting there like, is he alive? Like what is going on? But we didn't know that they had just immediately taken him up to the NICU. We thought he was in the room the entire time. And so when they took baby B out, we're like, Oh, like there's baby B, whatever. And they brought baby B around for us. Like, have a little kiss and take a picture before they took him away too. And baby B was crying and we're like, okay, what the fuck? (laughs) Like someone tell us like, what is going on? And like, I was like throwing up and like, it was just an awful situation. And then we learned later that they had just immediately taken baby A up because he was the smaller one and they wanted to make sure he was okay. Um, So my husband went with the babies as soon as they were both out. He went straight up to the NICU with them. Um, I lost a shit ton of blood. So I was in there for quite a while. And then, um, in recovery and my partner came back down when I got to recovery and he sat with me and, um, kind of hung out. And then once he knew that I was like good and back in my room and, um, alive, (laughs) He went back up to the NICU and FaceTimed with us uh, so he could FaceTime with the babies and meet them. Um, Because I I was out the rest of the day. Like, I didn't wake up until, like, 6 or 7 o'clock. And then we went up to the NICU. And then I met our babies, like, 12 hours later, which was a trip. Um, You think when you give birth, it's going to be like, oh, wow, look at this little glowing pink baby. I'm just filled with emotions. And I'm so happy. And it's not, like... I'm not, like, by any means trying to scare anyone, but, like, it's okay if you give birth and you're like, what the fuck just came out of my butthole? Like, what is that? Like, it's okay. Like, it's a lot, and it's okay that you're not flooded with joy and happiness because – Oh, there's so many hormones and everything is just falling out of you in every way possible. And whatever you're feeling in that moment is valid and be patient with yourself and give yourself all the grace in the world because you just grew a human inside you, maybe two or three. And now that human is earth side and you're meeting them for the first time. They're meeting you for the first time. Y'all don't know each other. Like it's like a blind date. Someone who's just covered in your blood and guts. Like, no, like what is more traumatic? Like, imagine showing up to the bar and being like, Hi, I'm Lisa. And the person greets you and they're covered in your placenta. Like, co- like what would you say? Cool, I'll have a scotch. Like, that's not normal. So just give yourself a lot of patience. Um, we had a very long NICU road. We'll post that up on our little blog site for you guys to read. Um, And we'll do a NICU NICU blog on another day. Um, That kind of takes us to now. That was kind of my journey to who I am. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about what I do now. When I was pregnant, um, there weren't really any options in our city. We live in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, in Western Canada. Um, For a typical pregnant person or a typical caregiver to get the things they need for their pregnancy and for their little one that were, that wouldn't break the bank. Times have changed from 10, 15 years ago when, you know, people would drive out of province to get things for their little ones. And, um, there wasn't, you know, we don't live in the sticks by by any means, but we're a smaller major center. Um, So bigger centers had more things. Uh, And those times have changed and things are more available, especially through the pandemic. Everything is now available online. Um, But it's nice to be able to shop in person. And also, you know, you don't want to break the bank before you give birth. Um, So I found that there were no options for that. And I we're an eco-friendly family. Um, my husband really loves, you know, researching everything on climate change and how we can be, um, you know, think global, act local, think local, act global. Either way, we like to recycle. Um, and so he was kind of my muse for, for opening our store. Um, we're sustainable and secondhand maternity baby kids. There's really nothing for maternity where we live. Um, that's affordable. Um, Definitely hate fast fashion, everything that goes along with that. So the more that we can upcycle and recycle, uh, the better. And especially with pregnancy and being a pregnant person, um, you're just itching for that community. And I think that um, knowing, oh, another pregnant person wore this top before me and that's exciting. And now I get to be part of this, you know, what can seem like an exclusive pregnant person club um, can almost make you feel a little bit more like you belong to something, which is kind of what everyone is, is searching for in the end. Um, thank you for listening to my story. And I hope that you listen to our next one. Cause I promise it'll be funnier. Um, that's who I am. I would love to hear from you on our Instagram page. Um, who are you? What made you, what made you who you are? Um, thank you for listening. I am Janelle. You are listening to babies, bumps and bullshit, and we will see you next week.